0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple. I am not on the injured list, but like the Mets, I'm just keeping my head above water, baby. Let's jump into our little uh weekend in review, shall we? Um, yeah, you know, guys, these Mets are absolutely depleted. Uh, when you've got Brandon Drury starting at multiple infield positions, you know the situation is dire. Uh, you know somewhat expectedly at this point um you know we were starting to get a feel for this team and their identity this group is uh you know they won't be counted out guys are stepping up everywhere i mean Tomas nito uh at a time when injuries are just tearing this roster apart you know nito's slid into the de facto starting role um you know not totally supplanting james McCann but um certainly garnering a lot more playing time than anyone anticipated and he's doing it on uh you know just Good old-fashioned outplaying is competition. It's part of the reason why you hear me speaking so often about the the power of internal competition. It brings out the best in everyone uh, everyone involved, and that's kind of what this team needs right now. Um, a month from now, down the line, you know, it. We've seen it work in the past. We've talked about it on the show before, but yeah, I mean, just keep everybody on their toes, especially now that there's playing time up for grabs. You know, this is the type of stuff that teams can build off of, or or moving forward, especially, I mean, the adversity they're facing now is something to build off anyway, but, um, you know, Friday night, we saw a a very unheralded lineup, you know, pull together some late-night magic against the Marlins. Uh, Khalil Lee, Jake Hager, who has since been DFA'd, hopefully he stays in the organization, and Janeshwi Fargus, they all contributed heavily to the Mets win. Uh, and all was right in the world. And that's, you know, like I was saying, that's exactly what it's going to take to kind of weather this storm. Everybody kicking in. Um, we, we shouldn't expect nightly heroics, not with this personnel on hand. But, you know, the seeds are being sown for a special sort of crescendo. Uh, if this group can keep the Mets alive until the, the injured <laughs> almost a dozen or even more return. Um You know, it's going to be a bit staggered just because so many guys coming back at different times. But, you know, either way, you just keep plugging away, you keep swinging, and you make it through. Um, With a little breathing room in the division, uh, taking two of three from the Braves earlier in the week, you know, the Mets came into Miami riding high, thinking, you know, take on the world. Oh, that hole, that hole bag. But uh, yeah, except for the injuries. <laughs> uh, the Mets added another starter to the injured list on Friday. Pete Alonzo hit the 10-day I.L. with a sprained right hand. Uh, Pete insists that the injury came on that hit. Oh, well, the team insists that the injury came on the hit-by-pitch in St. Louis a couple of weeks ago. We're certainly not disputing that. However, <laughs> uh, Tim Healy pointed out of Newsday, of course, uh, he pointed out shortly after the team placed him on the I.L. that you know when Pete fell over the railing celebrating Pat Mizeka's walk-off last week, two weeks ago, um, he appeared to initially land on that right hand. Uh, if you go ahead and check the video, and that's what it looks like. Uh, Tim Healy asked Pete about it during his uh, his pregame media availability, and Pete reassured everyone that he fell on his ass, and and you know the video says otherf- otherwise, but you know whatever. Just get back soon. I think he's expecting. He's hoping to be back next Saturday when he's eligible. Um, You know, the last thing this need this team needs is another controversy, manufactured or not. Uh, They've got enough to deal with on the field. So, uh, you know, Friday was a big win. They keep on just kind of staring down the face of adversity and giving it, you know, giving it a big fu and just keep on moving forward. And you know, that magic didn't really last over the weekend. But uh, to be fair, the Mets faced. A very good pitcher on Saturday and a surprisingly good pitcher on Sunday. But uh, heading into Saturday, the team was so cut down by injuries that Louie Rojas didn't even announce Joey Lucchese as a starter until about an hour before first pitch. Naturally, the fan base let out a, a groan, <laughs> as Lucchese hasn't been what you'd call, I use air quotes, consistently effective. But um, we've talked about him here in the past. He hasn't really been all that bad. Uh, The ERA coming into Saturday certainly said otherwise, but, um, you know, he got bombed early once. I believe that was Colorado. Uh, Was left in a little too long a few other times. Um, You know, everyone's kind of finding their way right now, especially in Lucchese's case. Uh, Adopting a new role with a new team, it takes time. You know, swing man, long man, bulk guy, whatever you want to call him. uh, It's an adjustment from being a regular starting pitcher. Uh, On Saturday, that, that process... It appeared to come to a bit of a head. Um, Four innings of work. Lucchese breezed. He allowed just one hit. He struck out eight on just 43 pitches. The sinker was landing inside to lefties, away from righties. The churve had a very crisp bite to it that kind of twisted in on the shins of right handed batters. And he did it all without his cutter, which I know last week he said he was going to start using it more, and he used it in his appearance last week, but he only threw it once on Saturday and, and, you know, it was, he was the most effective that we've seen him. You know, if this is the kind of the level of effectiveness that that I've been talking about for Lucchese, uh, I said, talked about it on the show last week when he had downtime. um, You know, when he's commanding his pitches, he's, well, he's extremely deceptive to begin with, with his delivery, but uh, if he's commanding his pitches right, with everything else that comes along with that. You know, that's all going to it's going to play. Um we've talked about his I guess the similar spin axes on his on his pitches. He only throws three and only two most of the time, the uh, sinker and the and the curve. Um, but, you know, everything kind of lining up and tying into each other, it it only adds to his trickery. <laughs> um we've spoken about his tendency to get touched up pretty hard once guys get a look uh, get a good look at him whether it's once or twice through the lineup, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, that, that there's a reason for that. So he's he's always had inconsistent release points. I think we talked about this a little bit last week. It's very easy, uh, and I, I say that, you know, half serious because, you know, it's it's easy to say it, but we're not major league hitters. But it's easy for major league hitters to kind of see past all the, the bells and whistles of his motion. Um, and just kind of look for, for where he releases the ball. If you look at his charts on Statcast, you'll see that he releases his sinker here and his churve here. Again, once guys get a good look at him, um, one at bat maybe two, his effectiveness drops off of a cliff, and that's the reason why. Um, you know, his—I don't want to say he's tipping his pitches because he's not really making an <laughs> making an attempt to hide them. But um, with the with the spin axes that he's using. And again, we've talked about that. I've talked about it on the Apple. We've talked about it here on the show. Um, he's able to it mirror the two spins of his. So think about you know the ball's coming or coming out of his fingers. It's spinning at one on one axis. So on the sinker, it spins one way. Think about a straight line, but it's going forward. On the curve, it's on that same line, but it's spinning the opposite direction. So it mirrors itself. So by the time guys can realize oh, wow, this isn't the same pitch I just saw because now it's cutting the other way. It's too late. And on Saturday, because of the way that he was commanding it and because of the the control that he was showing over those pitches, you know, it worked to a T. And, you know, we've said it in the past. The Mets have a lot of talent. With all the depth that they added, they have a lot of guys who can offer a lot of positive contributions to the team in so many different areas on Saturday um Rojas and company kind of put at least Lucchese and next Sean Reed Foley in the position to succeed and, you know so after Lucchese's four brilliant innings Reed Foley comes in and he's fresh off three perfect innings versus Atlanta earlier in the week he's called upon and um to kind of keep things moving and he did so completely sufficiently uh, he put, put forth two innings of scoreless ball. That brought him into the seventh. So if you put together, I think our, our, I call them Joey Fuego Foley on Twitter, um, you put them together, that's six innings of scoreless ball on like three hits or something like that. That's just, you know, that's going to play. It doesn't matter if it's two guys because if you're getting bulk innings out of two guys, it's pretty much just like a combo shorter. And, boy, that's um that's going to work. So. Reed Foley comes in. Uh, he takes it into the seventh. He lets up two very weak base hits, which that's gonna happen. Um, Aaron Loop comes in to face Corey Dickerson. It was pinch hitting for the catcher, so you got men on the corners and one out. Dickerson uh, shallow fly into left field, nothing crazy. Brian Anderson tagged up at third. Maben, Cameron Maben, who we talked about on Thursday, came in this week, made a perfect throw home. Nito had him dead to rights. I could have sworn that I saw Anderson sliding in and he put his hand, not you know, didn't reach into the glove, but it looks like he certainly made contact with the ball to knock it out of the glove, which, you know, if you run into the glove, you can't really put your hand on it and tear the ball out. That's kind of bullshit, but apparently only I saw it. Um, I was looking for a replay to put it on the Apple or put it on Twitter. Every, every replay I found did not show that little slow-motion clip, and I, I'm just too lazy to go back and rewind my TV. So whatever. Um, Mets are down one nothing, and, you know, it's time to get it back. And like we've seen them do so many times over the last few weeks, uh, you know, they did. Uh, Jose Peraza, who was hit by a pitch on Friday, uh, he was pinch-hitting for loop, drew a leadoff walk in the eighth. Uh, Lindor uh, added a, another walk. Uh, I think someone was out in between them, too. But, um, you know, you have two on, uh, one out. Let's keep it moving. Maven struck out. So, Mattingly went to Richard Blyer. Tried to, you know, I guess match up against Dom Smith, who's... He had a nice stretch for a little while, but I think coming into Saturday, it was like 5 for 24 over his previous seven games. Uh, You know, not great. But um, (laughs) it's... Really worked out not great for uh, for Blyer. Home plate umpire Alfonso Marquez. He missed a huge, huge third strike call. Gave Smith another shot. It would have ended the inning. Would have been strike three. Gave Dom another shot. He singled through the right side and scored Peraza, tied the game. And you felt that magic once again. Castro came in, uh, put up a perfect eighth. Uh, Dom Smith made an excellent play in the eighth. Uh, I dove to his right, landed, rolled over from his ass. He knocked out the guy at first. Just, you can tell he's having a lot of fun playing first base. Uh, the Mets had an opportunity in the ninth. They, I think, Tovar drew a walk off Yimmy Garcia, who's, you know, low-key, absolutely nasty. I don't know. I I haven't seen much of Yimmy Garcia. I know he used to be with the Dodgers, um, Nasty, he painting Corners, uh, I'm a big fan. If he becomes available and the Marlins are out of it, I am making that call. Anyway, uh, Mets had a chance in the ninth, couldn't plate the run, couldn't do anything with Tovar on base. Uh, Drew Smith almost worked around, a 2-8, two 2-out, two hitting the ninth. But uh, Garrett Cooper, who um, tied up the game on Friday, a uh, little pinch hit home run early in the game off of, Stro- uh, off of uh, Castro after Strowman came out. Hey, uh, whatever. They won the game. I had words about that. You can check it out on the Apple. But, uh, Garrett Cooper crushed a hanging slider from Smith and Smith said he, he said he knew it as soon as it left his hand that, oh, you know, this is going to be middle, middle. And, uh, it was, you know, into the concourse and left center, which by the way, looks pretty damn cool. I liked the home run monstrosity in center field in Miami, um, the little back of a cruise ship that they have out there now, it actually looks really cool. I would love to watch a game from there, but uh, yeah, you know, you can't win them all. And, and we've seen this team really fight back so many times, you know, that they're going to, as long as they can put the bat on the ball, uh, you know, that they're never really counted out of it. So, you know, uh, heading into Sunday, still rolling right along, all things considered. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors, We'll come back to talk about Sunday, where this team goes from there, why they're in the situation they're in, in a good way, not why guys are getting hurt, because that's anyone's freaking guess. But hang tight. We'll be right back. And welcome back. So the Mets head into Sunday, rubber game in Miami, still holding on to a nice cushion in the NL East. Nobody else is really playing well, so... uh, you know, it would have been nice for the Mets to take the take the series, but um, it didn't work out that way. Again, there were still positives to take away, and that's why you guys listen because that's that's what I find. I find the positives. Jordan Yamamoto, fresh up from Syracuse, uh, got the ball for the Mets on Sunday. He was f- effective his last time out. Um, he allowed one run over two and two thirds on May fifth. Uh, on Sunday, wasn't as effective. Uh, got hit on hit pretty early um and that's kind of <laughs> Yamamoto's game relies so much on command he doesn't have heavy velocity to kind of lean on um and early on the command and control really wasn't there uh, he loaded the bases none out in the second uh, I think it was a single a walk and a hit by pitch Miami's first run crossed on <laughs> their pitcher Cody Poteed, who looked awesome on on, on Sunday by the way Uh, making his fourth start, I believe, his fourth career start, really hitting all the spots, a lot of uh, confidence out there, they they just keep on churning these guys out, anyway, he had an infield hit, it was a little dribbler near the mound um, on the third base side, Brandon Drury, uh, excuse me, Brandon Drury is charging in from third, Yamamoto, he's coming off of the mound and he kind of makes like a lunging play and an even lungier throw. Threw, he, he he cut off Drury. Drury was charging from third. So if Drury uh, again Yamamoto throws wide, uh, run scores. It's uh, and then Jazz Chisel made it two nothing in the next at bat. But so if Brandon Drury would have got that ball again, this is a big if. If he would have got uh, Potte, who was the pitcher, certainly a possibility. Um, If you would have got him, that's, that leaves, uh, I'm sorry, I got lost in my words here. So had Drury successfully gone to first instead of Yamamoto making the play towards home, when Rojas, who grounded out after Chisholm, um, when he grounds out to first and Dom Smith goes to Lindor at second, that would have ended the inning. Instead, (laughs) uh, Lindor's double play relay, relay back to Smith. It came in a little bit behind Yamamoto, who was running over, skipped into the dugout, two more score, now it's 4 nothing. um, Jesus Aguilar added another, make it 5 nothing, and that was pretty much, you know, it set the tone for the afternoon. To his credit, Jordan Yamamoto, um, really settled down after that rough second inning. I think he only needed 17 or 18 pitches to get through the third and fourth. He left after the fourth with shoulder soreness, um, I had some family over. I did not see the post game pressers. I wish I could give you more there, but you have to hope that uh, the shoulder is of no concern, because um, you know, all things considered, he hadn't made a start since May fifth, at least for the big for the big club. He's pitching for a roster spot. Let's assume that maybe there were some nerves at play. Uh, His command disappeared for a bit, but he really, he rebounded great. I know this isn't spring training. You can't be like, oh, he had two great rebound innings. I understand he gave up five runs. I I get it. But um, at the end of the day, it's one game in a very long season. You kind of have to find things to build off of, especially from an individual standpoint. Like in Yamamoto's case, you had, you know, two lights out innings after getting summarily fucking rocked. You know, that's a big step forward after a a considerable step back Um, to get that all taken care of in one day. That's huge. Um, If Yamamoto can find a rhythm as a, a bulk guy or a piggyback option to kind of rotate into the Lucchese, Sean Reed Foley mix. That's a big win for this team moving forward. Again, we've said it a couple of times already today. You got to put these guys in spots to succeed. Um, If Lucchese is good for three innings, if, Sean Reed Foley is good for two or three innings. If Yamamoto is good for three or four innings, even two, you know, just those three right there, you could stack them on top of each other. If you have to get a full day, you don't have to do a quote unquote bullpen day and hope for the best. You can throw three long men out there, get seven, eight innings. And then pretty soon Lugo and, and may Lugo will be back you Have may you have Diaz familia. You know, the pitching is really the least of anyone's concerned at this point. Castro, Um, but the back end of the rotation, at least till everyone returns, you know, they're going to have to cross this bridge a couple more times. It seems like, um, if you can again, make this whole piggyback thing work between Lucchese, Sean Reed Foley and Yamamoto or any way they want to approach it. That's great. Um, unfortunately for, (laughs) for uh, at least the offense in it's tattered form uh, on Sunday, couldn't get anything going against Poteet. I think he sat down 14 in a row through the seventh inning. Um, he finished 93 pitches, four strikeouts. Again, he was just pitching to contact, which you, you listen to the show. We love that. No walks. Um, very, very impressive for a guy making his fourth career start. Uh, and sure, with the, with the roster full and with guys, you know, with the, with the coffers <laughs> at full uh, capacity – you know, Potite or, or any young pitcher that the Mets see with this lineup, um, it's someone that this team should have been able to knock around. But you know, at this current point with this group of it, particular group of players here, which you know, outside of Francisco Lindor and Dom Smith is all reserves. You know, these things are going to happen. Uh, Lindor is back to really kind of <laughs> looking um, in the doldrums at the plate. Um, he's riding out. I think it's one for 16 after Sunday. Uh, he was hitting i guess over 48 plate appearances from may 6th to may 18th was hitting 282 383 487 um, again more like the guy that the Mets had or we all had envisioned would uh would show up in queens um, and you know 48 plate appearances it's it's like we said i think it's 11 games um, nothing crazy but it was a step forward you have to imagine that You know, pitchers are absolutely attacking him, saying, oh, well, we have to get him out, so we're going to really focus on him. And it looks like he's uh, still a little uncomfortable with breaking pitches, but full confidence he'll get there. Anyway, um, he kind of has to be the guy to kind of lead this team right now. Um, We'll see if that tide turns soon. It wasn't Sunday. Uh, The Mets plated one against uh, John Curtis in the eighth on Sunday. Jenesbury uh, <laughs> Fargas again, yeah. I think it was a double. Wilfredo well, Tovar knocked him home, but that, you know that's how it would end. It would be five-one. I said it on the Apple. You can't expect miracles, but in all fairness, you can't really ask for much more than a three-in-three three stretch against the Braves and Marlins on the road under these conditions. You know the Rays, who um, they I think they came into Sunday winning nine in a row. You know they swept the Mets out of Tampa last weekend. That easily could have sent this team spiraling, uh, spiraling under, you know, under the circumstances that they find themselves in. It it, it didn't happen. Um, In the big picture, oh good, the ice cream man comes by just as I'm uh, recording. You guys get a little tunes in the background. So big picture, you know, this was a successful end to the road trip. I know it's tough to say that, but... Um, you know, was it the best case in area? No, of course not. You'd love to see them have taken two out of three in Miami, but is this palatable? Most definitely. Uh, you know, if you stay above water, which is really all that matters at this point, you're going to find yourself right in the thick of things when everyone's back. Uh, Louis Rojas said it on Friday. I, I, I'm going to paraphrase. You know, the next game is always the most important one of the season. Stay focused. Keep at it. This is a, a patchwork roster And even the patches (laughs) have holes in them. It is what it is. They're making do. They're getting by. Um, I think entering Monday, the Mets lead. Yes, they have a lead. I know everyone's acting like, you know, the the sky is falling. They still have a lead in the National League East. And they only won three out of nine on the road trip. It doesn't matter. That's what I mean by keeping pace and keeping your head above water. You can't expect these guys to go out and win nine of ten. Um with a roster like this, it's not going to happen. And the pitching has been above and beyond. They're doing everything they can to keep these Mets in the game. But with a, a, a lineup full of non-starter caliber guys, um, and that's not a knock on this roster. They've gone, they've done so much to keep this team alive, but there's only so much they can do. So until everyone starts coming back, this is the the objective. You, you keep your eyes on the prize. Um, you know, so they're up by what? I, I, I don't know what happened to the rest of the division yet. Um, I think that at the very minimum, the Mets will be up by a game and a half when we wake up on Monday morning. You know, that's um, that's a good thing. They're heading home for seven. They got the Rockies for four, who've gone two and 17 on the road this season. They cannot win away from Coors Field. DeGrom's back on Tuesday. Uh, you know, things could be worse. We talked about, um, on Friday on the show, we talked about Louie Rojas, kind of keeping everybody focused through, through all sorts of adversity over the weekend, kind of expanded on that. Um, you know, as, as oddly exciting, this stretch of fun, crazy, scary baseball has been, um, you know, this team just does not stop amazing. I, oh, I just realized that that, <laughs> there was no pun intended, I promise, uh, you know, they, they haven't ceased to amaze. I think that was the line I used for the Apple. Um, you know, Acuna's walk-off on Wednesday easily could have could have changed things. Um, Garrett Cooper's walk-off uh, game tire on Friday, same thing. His walk-off on Saturday, you know, it, it easily could have said, oh, well, that was fun, but same old Mets. Um, you know, from personal experience, some of us don't truly get um, – don't fire ourselves up until we're punched in the face. I, I, I'm not advocating getting punched in the face or punching anyone else in the face, but if uh, I guess if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. Um, I really feel like that's what's happening with this team. You know, this team got rocked in their jaws early on this year. They weren't hitting. Now with all the injuries, yet you know, <laughs> right on cue, they're 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 fighting back and and. Boy, it's like you tied their armor their one of their their power arm around their back and they're fighting with one hand right now, but they're still getting the job done. It's um yeah, it makes no difference if the, the entire starting lineup is on the shelf. This group's kind of taking that next man up mindset and they've given it life. Um I think Strowman said it after the game on Saturday, you know, there's gonna be adversity through the year. You just gotta do your best to battle through that and win. Um uh, the, the one that that got me was no one's gonna feel sorry of, sorry for us, regardless of the injuries. That's just great, and, and that's it's the truth. No one's gonna feel sorry for you. you can have fans that are oh you can't win, you can't score a run. Yeah, no shit. You got fucking Wilfredo Tovar starting the whole weekend. That's nothing against Wilfredo Tovar. So we like Will Tovar. Happy to have him back. But um, guys, you can't have your 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 eyes set on the moon when you have a a a, a fucking. You know, uh, a Chevy Cavalier in the fucking driveway. Boy, I'm cursing again. I get a little fired up. I'm really having fun on this show. I hope you guys are too. Um, you know, they, they're battling. This team is. It, oh, God, I used a fucking Callawayism. Fuck that guy, by the way. Let's take a quick pause to say fuck Mickey Callaway. I hope he gets fired fucking yesterday. Um, this team is. They're rolling right along, man. I think they're 12 and 8 in May. They've placed nine players on the injured list. Um. And there's still a couple of games up in the East. You can feel the magic. There's a group consciousness. And I think, you know, we talked about last week about Rojas kind of fostering that. And, you know, a focus on the current as opposed to looking ahead to the future. It's been very, very obvious that it's there. Guys are coming out focused. And they're coming out and doing their job right then and there. And they're not worrying about down the road. And To be honest, it's probably the only way to go about this. You know, we've said it before, outside of Lindor and Dom, you know, the the lineup is currently just contingency plans. They're they're, they're still pulling it off. It's it's just, it's wild. Um, You take two out of three in Atlanta after losing Conforto and McNeil. You keep the spirits up. You pick up a win in Miami. Could have had more on an even emptier tank. Everything about this kind of screams like, this is a team, man. Um, We'll have to see how it all shakes out, but the foundation is there. Uh, terrific stories being told um you know never in their wildest dreams did sandy and zach scott imagine they'd be leaning on jonathan vr jose peraza tovar Janeshri fargus brandon drury cameron maben khalil lee uh, jake hager i really hope he makes it back but they never thought that they'd be counting on these guys to to scratch out you know weeks worth of wins in may Um, Yet here we are, and I'm not going to lie, I love it. I love every fucking second of it. I said it on Friday when uh, Pete was placed on the I.L. This is the stuff of legend, man. Um, Rojas spoke about it a bit after Saturday's games. This team's been very, you know, a lot of guile, a lot of grit, um, a lot of misfortune. And, um, you know, keeping it in perspective, which is, again, to point to Rojas, you know, his, we said it last week, both on the Apple and on the show— his job entails more than just writing out a lineup card and picking who throws next in the lineup, in the bullpen. Um, it's about keeping his guys motivated. It's about getting the most out of his players in a long season when spirits can get down, when things can, everything can seem to go wrong, which over the last couple of weeks, it's pretty much where over the, you know, pretty much since, since opening day when they got their season canceled, uh, their series canceled. Um it's been a very strange year, but again, they just keep on finding themselves uh, alive. I know it's early. I know there's plenty of time for this, I guess, ship to go awry, but excuse me. <clears throat> but you still, you have so much momentum, so much positivity, um, and, and yes, it's it's very easy to get carried away. I think Rojas said it Saturday. He said they're all big wins, but you got to turn the page and focus on tomorrow's game. That's the biggest game right now. We think we said it earlier in the show. That's the actual quote. Um, you know, we love to hear that. And as I was just saying, it's very easy to get carried away. I understand. Um, and it's also very easy to ignore the mirage factor too, but you know, expecting this level of production from this roster. Yeah. It would probably be foolish. Um, But if they can, as we said, stay above water until everyone returns healthy, there's not going to be a lot that's going to intimidate this group moving forward. Um, If they can make this nightmare work, they can accomplish anything. I don't care if it's hyperbole. I don't care if it's a cliche. I believe it. And it appears that everyone in the clubhouse is believing it. Um, I believe we all have a a credo here. You got to believe. Let's fucking believe, guys. Come on there's so much talent here um no one's shelved for the season if anything your entire bench is getting very 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 uh valuable experience in game situations we heard rojas talk about it all spring and when you know during even early in the season with the postponements getting game action is so important to keeping guys fresh you have your entire bench and 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 then some getting uh getting game action it's um It can only work out good. You just hope everyone returns healthy. Uh, And, you know, stay alive. That's it. Uh, Shit, I think that was actually the name of our episode, our last episode. But, uh, you know, the, the objective hasn't changed. Stay alive. Keep things moving. Win games when you can. Try not to let too many winnable games slip away. Like, I'd like to say that Sunday might have been a winnable game. Um... Again, it's a big if. If Drury makes that play instead of Yamamoto cutting in front of him, um, it's only a two nothing deficit instead of a five nothing deficit. It changes the entire dynamic. But um, let's just chalk that up to yeah, this is one that they lost. Whatever. You still head into Monday with more than a game cushion in the division. Um, you're playing Colorado, who's not a great team, and then you got you know you know the Braves are going to come back in late in the week with uh, you know vengeance. on on their mind after losing two or three last week. Um, Yeah, you know, the Mets are not, there's going to be no shortage of opportunities to prove themselves, whether it's this week, next week, next month, September, whatever. They're going to have to keep their guard up. Um, And when the point comes that everyone on the roster is back and everyone's hitting and we're, as fans, kind of enjoying the, uh, the spoils from that situation, great, you know. Let's let's get there and then enjoy it. But in, in the meantime, um, you know there's going to be ups and downs. No question about it. We just kind of have to roll with that, catch that wave and go. Uh, what's the one I always like to say that I see our, our guy Marcus Stroman use it on Twitter? Which it's just awesome. The guy's positivity never ever wanes. It's just uh, very cool to see. I, you know, we talked about it on the show last week. The veteran leadership. And it doesn't matter if Lindor's not hitting him in this clubhouse at this time with no one else available um it doesn't matter if he's hitting or not he is still that leader and again you can look around probably around that room and pick out a few of them um the legend of kevin (laughs) pilar by the way kevin pilar is going to be resuming to base resuming baseball activities on monday night he had surgery to uh, reconstruct his face on friday will be returning in a limited capacity getting himself back into game shape on monday um, again, just balls to the wall, setting the example for everyone else. Um, and that's kind of what I'm saying. Look at Lindor. His approach has not changed. He's upbeat. Let's go out and let's get this. He's hugging his teammates. He ran over and hugged Dom Smith as the Marlins are making a pitching change on Saturday. Marcus Stroman saying, hey, you know, I came out of the game maybe, well, clearly before I was ready to. And, uh, yeah, he didn't say this, of course, but he's going, he's hugging his teammates, he's out there giving fist bumps. This is leadership by example, and this is what carries teams through tough times. Um, I swear I was going to end right there on onward and upward, but, you know, this team is inspiring. It's got me throwing words out there. But we're back on Friday with a new one. Uh, We're creeping closer and closer to episode 100. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing to celebrate the occasion, but uh, putting some thought into it. Uh, Of course, keep it locked. You know where to find us. Um, And we'll see you on Friday, guys. See you next time. Let's go Mets. Peace.